Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go to the east coast of Canada to talk to Maggie Lyons-McFarland. So, welcome, Maggie. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me today. Okay. So, let's start with your academic background. Where did you go to school? Well, I did a uh, master's, well, Correction, let's go backwards here. I did a Bachelor's of Arts at the University of New Brunswick in sociology, and where I focused a lot on um, minority issues and social justice and human rights. Um, But in 2015, I went to Mount St. Vincent University in Nova Scotia in, uh, in Halifax, actually. And now I hold a Master's of Arts in Education. Um complete with a master thesis where I focused on um, applying universal design for learning outside of the classroom and really looking at how to use it in the job search process. Okay, so let's talk about your work experience. Where have you worked in the past? Uh, I've worked in a lot of nonprofit organizations, even going back to 16. I worked for Easter Seal, CNIB, Muscular Dystrophy, um, and one of the longest roles I've had is at Autism Nova Scotia, where I was supporting some federal uh, research work and developing an iPad lending program. I've also done a lot of uh, research assistant work for post-secondary at the post-secondary level for uh, different projects in that way. Um, most recently, I've done a lot around, oh, the, the federal public service study with Carleton University. And in addition to that, I supported an ethics application um, as a through the McEachin Center of uh, Policy that focused on tourism and disability in the COVID era. Um, so I, I try to get involved in really diverse um, efforts as much as I can. So Maggie, why the interest in disability? Well, I was born a person with disability and with um, some vision challenges and a learning disability, but I was also raised by two disabled parents who acquired disabilities when I was respectively between the ages of three and four. Um, And that's giving me a perspective on life that I know there is so much that needs to be done and so many hitches in this continually broken system. And I, I just want to be a cog in the machine for some change forward that stays consistent. Okay. So one of the organizations that you've been involved in for a few years now as a volunteer includes the Uh, area of disability. Well, as a volunteer, um, way back, even when I was a kid, I was supporting, um, I was volunteering for Easter Seals. I also 
forgot to mention, I worked for them for a time too as a summer student. Um, but my time volunteering within disability spans almost two decades now. It will be really soon. Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of volunteering around being a patient partner for the MSSU, which is uh, a maritime research unit between all of the uh, provincial health authorities. And come next spring, I'll be wrapping up a two-year commitment uh, as a youth advisor for the Institute of Health and Work in Toronto. But additionally, since 2017, I've been part of the National Educational Association of Students with Disabilities. So that was very early in 2017. I've served as a provincial director in two provinces, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, respectively. I've chaired the Fund Development Committee um, for the board, and I've um, I've been the first vice chair in 2018. In 2019, um, I became acting chair of the board. Months later, I was affirmed for a term that was slightly extended due to COVID. And come this fall, I will be. Uh, moving on to the past chair role and supporting the next uh, chairperson to the board. Um, and Needs, in my time, has done a lot, of, uh, a lot of great work and has been a longstanding organization for decades. Okay, I need to know a little more about this organization. Do they have a website? Yes, yes, it's needs.ca, I believe. And... You better break down the spelling. Yeah, just one second. That's N-E-A-D-S dot C-A. There's a bilingual website. So there is a French and an English side uh, land, landing page where you pick a language. And both sides are kept up to date, almost synonymous these days. Um, and what services and, do they offer, Maggie? Well, scholarships are a huge priority, but there's also been a lot of efforts in supporting the pushing forward of the body of research and how to support projects related to um, ensuring success of post-secondary students with disabilities across Canada. Um, since the since COVID began, we were uh, part of having been granted graciously a federal um, a sum of federal support where we were able to establish and prove a the, necess the necessity of the bursary program, which is still running today quite solid, and I hope it will continue on. Um, our no, there's our everyday staff, and then there's our board of directors. Our board of directors is all volunteer, like myself, and we attend events um, outside of needs. We represent the organization. We sit pretty much monthly, except for the summer. Um, and we oversee a lot of the projects and approve the funding um, 
applications that that go out to secure as a nonprofit organization to, to secure continual funding. So, um, so you've learned a lot. You've gained more friends from being a, a part of the organization. And, I sure have, yes. And uh, from what I understand, you've made a real difference to the organization. You've given back. Yeah, I, I have given back a considerable amount. And one thing that I hope will continue after my time is the public-facing annual general meetings. Before my leadership, there was no public-facing um, AGM happening at all. But with COVID, that enabled us to actually create an online AGM that anyone can attend. And we've seen an increase in attendance from year one versus year two. And I'm hoping that this fall in year three, that it's going to be even stronger. So Maggie, do you know the date for the annual general meeting? It's within the month of November. We are uh, hoping to announce it on our Facebook page, um, which again can just be found by going into Facebook and searching needs. Um, we have a young um, social media coordinator who's absolutely phenomenal, and she boosted our social media in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to levels that we have never had in the past, um, which has been an excellent step forward. And it it is in the month of November, and it will be formally announced by before before the end of August, likely by mid-August. Okay. So you're obviously very passionate about this area. You're also an advocate of yes. this area. And making a difference in getting governments and corporations to take action. Yes, I mean, I, in my going back to my education, just in my master's thesis, I really learned that though I was feeling the pinch of the barriers around employment, that there is so much that needs to be done. I mean, a very, very important fact I want people to consider when you're thinking of persons with disabilities who are pursuing post-secondary education is that when people like us graduate even a four-year program, so you spent four years dedicating everything to whichever program and you go to graduate, there's 10,000 people like you graduating that are also going to feel the same gap where you won't find employment right away and you just have to keep going and keep going and eventually something will work out, but it gets harder to move through that gap sometimes. And then you go on for more education and then you could be faced with the gap again. And I just feel like there needs to be more study and not just study, but at the same time, community and participatory engagement in understanding how to actually close this gap. Okay. So having said this and taking into account your education and your volunteer experience, what are the top three things that 
community and government should be doing to help those with a disability? There should be more than just one-off flagship programs to say, I mean, right now there's, we do a 12 month or a 24 month. Yay. We've put something on paper to help a person with a disability get some work experience. The thing is that those funded uh, job efforts have an expiry date and there's no sustainable employment to be gained. There's no path from that job experience to the next job experience. There's just literally a mark on paper saying that between this year and this year, we gave this organization so much money to support persons with disabilities trying to secure employment experience, but there's no next step. So then you got to hope that there's another program that will get created and that you're eligible for the next program. Um, when I worked for Autism Nova Scotia, I started on a pro on a funded support program through the government of Nova Scotia, and then that funding ran out. Um, I had a few weeks turnover where I was able to go to a nonprofit organization, Easter Seals, that was running a federally funded program and secured another eight months of employment. But that was me uh, having to go out and argue and advocate on my own behalf to secure a little bit of day-to-day -day work. I, in the end, I, I had 15 months experience as a research coordinator and I'd done, I had done really great things in that time, brought um, large donations in the way of assistive technology to the organization and stuff. But it was then that my boss actually encouraged me to return to school and get my master's degree because she felt that I definitely had a lot to say and a lot to do. And a master's degree would be the next step forward for me. So that was the first time somebody was really in my corner that didn't actually know me on a day-to-day -day basis that could say, hey, go do this because I think you got something. Okay, Maggie, that's number one. Number two and three, what would you really like to see happen? Well, I would really like to see more public awareness so that everyone understands the importance of job security as persons with disabilities. But I mean, we have a new era ahead of us right now of COVID long haulers and all of that new lived experience to come for our population. And there is so much advocacy work to be done that actual continual disability education programs, efforts, policy efforts, what have you, needs to be actually be in place on a day-to-day -day basis to help every Canadian understand, not just Canadians with disabilities, because trust me, we, we, we know the score, but to help every person understand um, what it means to be a person with a disability and the barriers that continue to exist. When I was working as a project manager for the government of New Brunswick to run the disability awareness program, the uh, one week disability awareness week that happens late May, early June every year here, the effort is more than 30, more than 35 years old now. 
And in 2018, I was still having people going, what's that about? What does disability awareness mean? How did we get to 2018 at that point with large with, you know, a degree of people not quite understanding what disability awareness means? So right now, uh, minority groups and justice equity are at the top in the news and the awareness. So the question is, how do we bring awareness of disability up to that same level? Well, I think it's important to for there to be this stopping of the of the silos. Like everyone is in their own world within minorities going, we're people of color, we're gonna focus on this. We're the gay community, we're gonna focus on that. And having spent six years on a diverse board of BIPOC population, LGBTQ individuals such as myself, and um, so on, I and even uh, women's issues with women focusing on gender gaps and such, I just think that there needs to be more unification of all the minority groups, because if we stop being in these silos, we're a bigger body, we're a bigger voice, we're large in numbers. And I think that that is important to actually come together and find that diverse path forward as a whole, not individual individual or hyper-individualized groups. And by hyper-individualized, I mean small, within the disability community, there's a lot of, a, a, a solid degree of infighting or indifferencing where people are, say there's people that want to be looking at the cross-disability lived experience, but they have a fear or a misunderstanding of the autism population. Or they have they don't quite understand what it means to be a person with blindness or deafness or who are deafblind because these are disabilities that we don't see. We don't outwardly see them on the human body easily. So it becomes human nature to not understand instantly. This is why I say like public education and stuff at a higher intensity would be a huge benefit. Okay. There's a, an author, an advocate, Al Adamansky, who's written several books. And one of the key things that he brought up, Maggie, was if you take the people with disability, you take their families, you take their friends, that's a huge voting group that could really make a difference. Yeah, and I, I agree with him in that the sense of, uh, of highly developed community that actually understand, and you see it's family and friends that understand individuals as individuals, not the disability first. Because there is a focus of person, of people first over the disability, um, which is a structure that's existed for a while, but family actually family and friends actually going, you know, this person is really great. Don't judge them by how they appear or 
you know, so-and-so understands more than what you think they do. Um, and those kind of voices are so, so important. And sometimes they get lost by the wayside or in our really busy day-to-day -day lives these days. There's almost a passive assumption that people people know more than we're actually giving them credit for, but when they actually may not. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There's a, an interesting group out of Toronto run by a lady who's in a wheelchair. <coughs> and she went to a board meeting <coughs> to do a presentation. And she went with a friend, and the friend took all the chairs out of the room. <coughs> so the people came in, and they didn't know what to do. And she got that message across pretty well. We see those kind of things are so important um, because it's, it's a visual lesson in equity and understanding and awareness. What I would love to see is more of that kind of equity and awareness geared at physical and invisible and perceptual disabilities all at the same time because when there's the voice or the assumption that there or the belief that someone else is coming up with different differences then we can get rid of this mentality of case-by-case -case scenario now i i was on an accessibility committee for a university that will remain nameless um and their entire focus was completely driven at we get $2 million of funding a year or however much, depending on the year. And we're going to hang on to it and do the, the minimal, most necessary maintenance to our accessibility matters and then just focus on case by case. So if you get one student with a physical disability one year and set them up, then it would set up the next student. I mean, the domino effect does sound relevant, but the length of time that that takes, it almost uh, cre creates like um, the same analogy to slow slow growing moss right like it, it, it's an effort it's coming but it's not quite there or it's too individualized to the individual and doesn't necessarily meet other needs okay maggie we have some uh, people that listen to the podcast how can they help you uh well i would love to hear from anyone that has any thoughts i can be found on linkedin um quite easily i would love to hear from anyone that would love to work or collaborate with someone like me because i have a lot to give i have a lot of passion i just haven't had a lot of long-term sustainable chances and I, uh, I really hope to get a shot someday of, uh, of having that piece of long-term sustainable work. I, I freelance and 
freelance is um, is not an easy situation to be in because you're you're constantly wondered, worried, and stressing about when the next situation is going to come, what it may look like, what it may not look like, and how much more I have to do to find sustainable income. Okay, Maggie, what's the easiest way to reach you? Is it by Facebook, or what would you recommend? I would suggest um, LinkedIn and also my email of margaret.lyonsmcfarlane at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T dot L-Y-O-N-S-M-A-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-E at gmail.com. Okay, great. does your uh, wife s- support what you're doing? Oh yes, my uh, my spouse uh, really supports me fully, and thank God my spouse is full time employed because it it has helped me to be able to continue pursuing trying to find opportunities for myself. Um, but yeah, my uh, my spouse is uh, is one of the biggest biggest supporters in my corner. Well, Maggie, you have quite a story to tell, and you also have a great passion for what you're involved in. So thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you, Peter.